Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings-on at Ellen Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Tom Hostikundel, the fit and firing Patrick Bamford of the podcast. Is this 2020-21 again? And I'm joined by the Ilya Gruyff of the podcast. He's a top, top podder with a top mentality. It's Martin Riley. And finally, I'm joined by the two Cardiff defenders running into each other and allowing Dan James the freedom of Ninian Park. It's Dan Holdsworth. How are we, Dan? Tip top. I'm full of roast lamb dinner on a Monday night, which I think is outrageous. For a Monday. It's outrageous. For a Monday, isn't it? But otherwise, I'm very good. Just happy that Leeds have won at the weekend and I'm here to talk about it. How about you? That's the key question. Yeah, I'm good. I, I've had a, I've had a spag ball tonight. Good. As a, as has been discussed and nearly caused some arguments in our uh, admin chat tonight. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, that that was lovely. And uh, despite what some others may say. And yeah, Martin, what about you? How are you doing? I'm doing good. I've had um, some sausages and mash tonight. Bog standard, nice tea. Nothing special, but some nice Cumberland sausages, which were pretty banging. Um, yeah, had a good weekend. Enjoyed Leeds le- le- winning. And I'm looking forward to having a chat with you two. Lovely chat, perhaps. Yeah, so as you just mentioned there, Leeds won this weekend, so we've got a victory of 3-0 over Cardiff down at their place. Um, but first, we'll just talk about some news that has happened over the past week. So the, fir- the first thing we'll touch on is uh, the departure of Luke Ayling on loan to Middlesbrough. Uh, how, how are we feeling about that? Kind of, kind of, it makes sense. It's a bit like the Bielsa sacking <laughs> a little bit, but like emotional at the same time. Well, that's, that's opened a sore, hasn't it? Saying that. Um, just a little. Yeah, yeah. No, no, can, kind of... All those, I mean, there's been a lot of really nice tributes to Luke, hasn't there? And a lot of, you know, online and whatever you, and the club put some nice stuff out. And it's like, it kind of, um, it's kind of sad to see him go, but it feels like quite a happy departure, if that makes sense. In that, like, we've, we've got to say some nice things about it. I'm pretty sure he's, he's enjoyed the, the, the tributes and, and the kind of outpouring from the fans. And he gets to go and play football. And by the sounds of things, he's, he played all right in his first game for Borough, which is, which is cool. So kind of best all around, really. Um, I'm happy for him. I'm happy that he realizes he's loved here and I hope nothing but good thing. Good things for him. Martin, we know your love for Bill. You've yeah. said it many a times, but then also said, obviously, it may have been time for him to move on. How are you feeling about it now that it's happened? Yeah, it's it's obviously he, he wasn't part of the first team, so it makes sense that he had to be moved on, but I'm absolutely gutted about it, to be honest. Uh, he's, he's been one of my favourite players for a long time. Uh, I felt a bit of a personal connection with Luke, mainly because we both have long hair and we both have a bit of a stutter, or at least I used to in my younger days. Um, not as bad as Luke's is, but I still did have that during my bumps of years. Going up into my late teens, I had a re- relatively bad stutter, which I've grown out of due to working a lot in call centres and challenging myself and forcing myself to get over it. And so he's always someone who I've looked up to because even though I'm older than him it's weird to say i'll look up to him <laughs> isn't that weird you say that but yeah uh, the, but it's, weird, it's weird that i guess um he set those examples for mm. people with stutters on such mm. a public space right yeah um, yeah i think that's fair to say that you, you look up to him in that sense yeah that's that's fair yeah indeed and yeah the, i mean you've got some such great memories of luke across his time he's just been absolutely essential to a lot of things that we've done since even before we got promoted even before Bielsa came along, he was, he was a good player for us mm. before then as well. Yeah. It's, it's not like he was one of those players who was uh, who was crap before and he's, he's, he suddenly got made really, really good. Yeah, he got improved by Bielsa, but not as much as some players, I think. And I just love the guy and I wish him all the best and really hope that he has a good time at Middlesbrough and if they do decide to take him on permanently, um, then that, that'd be good. He deserves to have a good end to his career and make some, make some new, new memories with some new, a new squad. And yeah, all, all the stuff that's come out of the club, I was pretty emotional about some of those, especially the like 10 minute long goodbye thing, which went out. And that, that was. I've uh, I've yeah. managed to avoid it because I was kind of like not in the mood to be tear jerked in a sense <laughs> last, yeah. last uh, week. Um, so I, ju- I just kind of I managed to avoid most of the tributes. Uh, I plan on watching them at some point this week, probably. But yeah, last week, like first week, first week back at work, and I just kind of said to myself, "Yeah, no, this is tiring enough. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't don't need to go home and then watch ten minute tributes to someone who's like obviously given so many good memories, as we said, you yeah. know, Huddersfield at home, yeah, uh, and then yeah, and just all those all those sort of things really for me. Like I said, he he was good under Monk that first season that we had him. Um, don't think I saw him ever being the attacking outlet that he really was, but uh, that he turned into. 
because obviously Monk played that kind of safe ball. But yeah, he's and his his character when we went through that bad run in the promotion season, um, the interview after the Nottingham Forest game, like clearly he pulled that squad quite a bit around that time, probably. So yeah, many thanks to him for giving so many memories. One one of the things that impressed me about Luke, Luke Ayling is, is like yeah, it's the many faces in terms of the football player. You know, the kind of marauding wing back to the kind of defensive right back under Monk to the occasional centre back in the Premier League and doing it all equally well. It's like how many players have so many, you know, can play so many positions so so well, like at such a late stage in the career. It's like it's remarkable, really. And and I think it's worth pointing out when we talk about his work, you know, like representing people with stutters and that kind of stuff. Also, he was the first, I believe, the first Premier League player to go to a Pride event and he was like a big supporter of the Marching Out Together group. So I think, you know, credit to the guy for that as well. That's, that's you know, it's a big deal, I think, really. So just kind of goes to show what a like, yeah, good bloke he's, he's is. Done a, yeah, yeah, done a lot yeah. outside of the club and yeah. outside of football as yeah, well. Just, which just um, a good bloke. No yeah, respect. I think obviously hasn't gone unnoticed amongst people. One of the old guards leaving, if in so to speak, and then... One of the upcoming prospects that we signed uh, was it last start of last season has gone out on loan and played played his first game uh, at the weekend played a full ninety minutes and that's Darko Jedi. Um Yeah, how how do we feel about him going on loan to Championship team Plymouth, Martin? I'm very happy about it to be honest. Um, it's a good move for him and we've seen straight away that he's going to get minutes because uh, he's in there literally straight away as soon as he joins. So it's a really good move for him to get some game time and to develop some more. And he's a player who I think has maybe been a little bit, little bit hard done by, and maybe could have got some more minutes. But that's not not him. There's other players who are more senior to him who haven't had a lot of minutes this season. So it's not just something which he's suffering from. It's just he's definitely not going to get the minutes. Um, because we've now got Rove, who is going to be getting more minutes, so he's going to have even less opportunity since he's going to be getting those minutes as well. So it makes sense for both us and him to get some more exposure to men's football for him and hopefully he can develop some and yeah and come back a better player and hopefully he can contribute for us in the future Dan you got anything to add? Yeah just just I mean echo what Martin said yeah I'm just I, I was always a bit of a dark OJB fan and he was someone I picked out in the summer to, to maybe break through this season so it's been a disappointment that he hasn't but I guess Leeds have done good business in centre mid haven't they in the, in the summer buying senior players yeah. and again, and I guess he's been leapfrogged a bit by Archie as well which fair enough Archie's great but um, yeah Plymouth's a good place for him to go I think it's, it's it's possibly slightly higher level than I would have expected I would have thought League One perhaps but Plymouth um, like a, quite a smart club well run club I think, you know, they're pretty good at spotting talent and developing it. You know, they like to trade and stuff. So I think it's probably a good home for him either to go and develop and come back to Leeds and have another crack at Leeds or just to, you know, get himself out there in the market either way. I think it's a good move. Yeah, I think we watched some of the under-20s, England under twenty stuff last summer and yeah. thought he looked really good. And then when he came back in pre-season, he kind of were slightly disappointed, I think, with his pre-season outings, yeah. um, if I remember rightly. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's worth noting, obviously, Plymouth have just hired uh, Ian Foster as their manager, who was the under-20s manager last summer. Um, so he knows he knows GAB quite well. And a friend of the podcast, Will Clay, has watched the Plymouth-Huddersfield game today and kind of just to watch GAB. And he's clipped up some, some stuff and kind of said that his physical strength is actually there for this game. And it looks like he, you know, his use of his body and his phys- physicality is, is really good. Um, he did say that he may have been at slight fault for Huddersfield's goal, but, you know, it's basically his first real senior start. So promising signs, I guess, from what Will Clay said. Yeah. Do we know where he played? Um, what position did he play? Six or eight? Do we know? I think he was. Eight, I, think. I think he played as a yeah six or an eight. I can't remember which. Yeah, because uh, I didn't say because I'm, I'm not keen him as a six. I think he needs. I don't think he needs to be the first receiver. I think I want him kind of driving up the field. So I just hope they don't use yeah. him as. I hope they use him as that. Sec, you know, if it isn't a double pivot, he's the guy that gets to range forward of the two. It is in a, in a double pivot. I'm not sure if he was the more advanced mm. one. Um, mm. But the one the podcast who we spoke to about Plymouth earlier in the season, they said that later in the game he was um, a bit more advanced. And that he looked good when he was yeah. further in the field, and I'd probably I think that's where he's probably best to be used, um, a little bit further up as a box to box midfielder rather than I agree with what you said there, rather than a, yeah. a, a deeper six. That's just it wastes a lot of the talent that he's got and his ball carrying skill. So it makes more sense to have him further up the field. So yeah, 
And I think one of the criticisms of him has been that occasionally he's sloppy with the ball, like receiving and turning, which you don't need from your six. You need your six to be kind of, you know, really neat and tidy, don't you? So I guess that's something he'll need to develop before he can play six as well. Yeah, and then final bit of news is he had a good game, even though he was everywhere on Saturday, but Furpo went off and possible dead leg. How how do we think that affects the club and offensive situation at the moment with the full-backs, Dan? Well, dead legs tend to be, you know, a few days out, a week out. Don't they? So fingers crossed. It's just it's just a week of light training. He'll be fine for the weekend. Um, if if it's longer than that, then we've got to hope Byram's ready. Basically, fingers crossed he's available because I think yeah he's been playing pretty well and I kind of he kind of suits to kind of more advanced. Uh, you know, he's, he's effective as a left winger when we attack, isn't he? So yeah, we kind of we've and that suits and that helps some of them, I think. So uh, yeah, let's hope he's, he stays fit. We can keep that going. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's it's a shame that he's picked up this. Uh, I hope it is just just dead dead lagged and it isn't anything more serious. But it would would be a real shame because he's just getting a bit of rhythm to rhythm to his appearances. You know, it's it's like the long running meme at the moment about Furpo coming back, having a few games, playing well, then getting injured <laughs> yeah. again. Um, but I just hope that isn't the case again. Let's hope the meme isn't proven true. Mm. Yeah, basically, um, I agree, and it it probably just maybe puts a push on the club to again it kind of reinforces that the fact that we've got two left backs that can pick up a knock every week um but yeah we've talked a lot about the news there so we'll finally get into the 3-0 victory game so i will start with a game summary leeds started the game with their usual 4-2-3-1 formation with cardiff opting for a 4-3-3 shape Leeds dominated possession for most of the first half, with Cardiff not threatening with the little possession they had, only threatening from long-range efforts. Leeds got off to a good start when Patrick Bamford converted from close range after a cross from Somerville, which led to a goal-mouth scramble and Bamford getting the final touch to make the score 1-0 on 13th minute. Leeds continued to make the better of the chances and extended their lead when a Somerville shot from close range was saved and Dan James was in the right place to score into an open goal, making the score 2-0 after half an hour. Second half continued much the way of the first, and with Leeds having the greater share of possession and Cardiff not really able to make any decent chances, Leeds had the opportunity to extend the lead to 3-0 thanks to a Jorginho Rutter won penalty, which Somerville took but struck the upright. But Leeds managed to increase their advantage late in the game, with Jorginho Rutter scoring after a swift break, and the game ended 3-0 to Leeds. So we'll start with the fact that Cardiff were unable all throughout the game to really create anything um, only creating 0.4 XG what what do you think their game plan was Martin and how were we able to nullify it? I think it was a pretty simplistic game plan to be honest um, I think the, they were mainly looking to hit us in transitional moments when we got forward and hoping to either get shots on goal from that or to get set pieces and because they've got a re- very good record with set pieces and something which um, Daniel Farker mentioned in his post-match interview was their set-piece threat. So that was the thing that they were looking for most. I think maybe they was hoping to do more with with the possession that they had, but we were very good in our out-of-possession game in this, so we really did stop them from really progressing the ball in any meaningful way, both in the first half and in the second half. We didn't really let up with the intensity for both halves. And it, it really did show it put Cardiff under a lot of trouble. Our second goal came from a high turnover and they just weren't able to get anything going from the game at all, which was, I was surprised really because I was expecting a, a little bit more from Cardiff. I know we were a bit depleted earlier in the season when we last played them, but I was probably expecting a bit more, especially at their ground. And it was a bit of a disappointing performance from them. I think their fans will be quite disappointed with it, to be honest. And as we know that, Cardiff fans consider Leeds a bit of a Barbie game, thanks to the history in, in the past. But So, yeah, I was a bit disappointed with Cardiff fans. I was expecting a bit more more fight from them. Yeah, I think what we kind of said on the preview podcast regarding that maybe uh, Bullet kind of had, has his idea of a game plan, but his team can't maybe execute it of what his ideal game plan is. And I felt like maybe that's exactly what we saw, was maybe they were trying to do what they were told, but really the players just can't can't do it to a good good skill level and that's why maybe the numbers that we talked about in the preview were a bit all over the place um but obviously you mentioned there that we were able to nullify it quite well um and we've previously mentioned that we've not been happy with our pressing in games like this against lesser opposition uh dan do you think that we've turned a corner here or do you think it was just that cardiff were, were bad bit, bit of column a bit of column b isn't it so 
I think the general trend with our pressing is upward. I think, generally speaking, if you look at the press in August and September compared to now, it's, it's way better now. It's way better coordinated. Um, obviously helps. I, I don't know get on his back but it probably helps not having Pro in there and having Bamford in there who's a great presser and having Rutter behind him who's a great presser and James and some of it always good pressers so you know our front four are all good pressers or you know they're all good to very good pressers aren't they? so that helps I guess in this particular game but I just generally think the the, the general trend of the quality of our pressing um, is better and I think it was one of those games where we to me it felt like and you guys might disagree it felt like we had quite a good situational press we were kind of like I felt like we were kind of we were letting Cardiff we were pushing Cardiff to one side and then jumping on them like on the like the wing the fullback kind of areas and winning the ball there and going from there. So it's almost like we we're folding over onto them. So if they're right back at the ball, like Bamford and Dan James, the far side winger would kind of fold over and pin them over, and then it would be like Somerville, Kamara, and and um, and Rutter would kind of step up and and like win the ball and then go. And the same would happen on the other side, you know. Somerville and, and Bamford would fold over and push them towards Dan James, who would win the ball with, with the 10 and the 8, effectively. With Gruev just sort of backing it up. And, and by the way, Gruev had some really nice counter-pressing moments as well when we broke through, when they broke through our press on, on, on the few occasions. So yeah, I just thought it was just a really good aggressive press. I, I do have a bit of a theory in my head that it's like we struggle, we have struggled, haven't we, in midweek games? I think where these games where we've struggled against these sort of teams has often been when we've had a game two, three days late after another game. So I wonder if the energy levels drop, that kind of athleticism drop. So that's perhaps a factor in why we've not necessarily always been happy with it. Um, you know, they had a full week here. They were rotated quite heavily in the FA Cup the week before. So a lot of the players would be fresh, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think in terms of energy and athleticism, we were kind of a bit too much for them. And it was a well-constructed press. So it was just generally too much. And I guess they're trying to play some football with... You know, like possession-based football, perhaps a little bit with players that aren't quite up to it against, you know, semi-Premier League players, whatever we have in our attack. You know, kind yeah. of top-end champ, lower-end Premier League level sort of players, and it was just too much for them to to cope with. I think, but yeah, I just as I thought, it was a nice executed press with where it just kind of it put our kind of athletic and quality um, uh, advantages. You know, put them put them to the fore and meant, meant that we were winning the ball often and frequently. Um, and yeah, and just. That was it, really. Yeah, Martin, anything to add on Add on that? I agree with a lot of what Dan said there. I think we were just had a really good, intense press going on in this game, and it really did help, because we have, like, like Dan mentioned, struggled with some games, especially against lower, lower opponents in the league. So we questioned whether it was whether we were up for the games enough, but that would make sense for what Dan mentioned there with, with a lot of midweek games around Christmas, that there would be a bit of a drop in energy levels, and because there's not every, not every squad is able to do it twice a week. We were generally able yeah. to do it under under Bielsa, but obviously Bielsa's a bit a bit different. He's built differently, mm. and yeah. he he got them up to really really high fitness levels. And so maybe that is a case. And so it's probably worth something that we'll look at for the next midweek game that we've got, which isn't too far away now. I think so. It'll be interesting. Norwich, isn't it? Yeah, we've I got think. Norwich now midweek after the uh, FA Cup draw and getting to the fourth round. Uh, that game's been moved to midweek. It'll be interesting because it's, it's it's a home game. If that has if that's the fact, you know, less travelling, that kind of stuff. So yeah, that'd be interesting to watch out for. Actually, um, Norwich kind of quite an intense game. Any intense game, quite an intense team anyway. With a German coach who likes to counter press a bit anyway. So yeah, that'd be interesting to see how it goes in that one. One to one to comment on, I think. Yeah, that's also one which I want our standard of pressing to have improved because the last game against Norwich, um, they played through us very very yeah. easily. So it it's definitely yeah. it's definitely one that. I'll be keeping an extra special eye on that we do show better in this game. I realise it's going to be at Elland Road, so it will probably be more up for it anyway, but just want better. And recent recent performances show that it has been good, even away from home. So, fingers yeah. crossed, it can, it can keep that up. Yeah, I think um, just one thing to note regarding, obviously, if we're thinking it might be due to fatigue and energy levels, we play Sunday and then Wednesday with that. So, we've got pressing on the Sunday and then... Uh, Norwich on the Wednesday, I think, is how it goes. So yeah. it's kind of like a quick turnaround still, even though they're both at home. Um, but despite Cardiff only being able to create 0.4 XG, Leeds were able to create quite a lot of chances with three non-penalty XG created in this game per FB ref. And uh, so was this down to our quality or Cardiff's lack of, Martin? I think it's a combination of, of both of those things. And also I think the XG numbers are the high. But I think that's mainly because of a couple of really high ch- high XG chances, which kind of inflated it a bit. I mean, Dan James's chance alone 
was I think nearly one XG. <laughs> It was very yeah, high. Uh, according, according to FB Ref, it was 0.99, and then the post yeah. shot XG was 0.97. So somehow <laughs> Dan James made that worse, according to uh, FB Ref. Um, mm. But just to say, Stats Bomb have that at 0.94, and then one when he took the shot. So yeah, uh, different models. Stats, sort of Stats Bomb's probably the better model, isn't it? I think generally considered. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I believe Sorry. so. But yeah. yeah so there's that chance, and I think also Bamford's chance was pretty high as well. So there's the, a the couple of goals. I think Bamford's was 0.42, which he increased to, yeah. yeah. And 0.76, I think he increased yeah, it to. exactly. So that does inflate it a little bit. But we also did have a number of half chances built into there as well. Uh, we had uh, Bamford's, which I think is just shy of a big chance at 0.27, the one where the keeper saved it, so around 25 minutes in. So that was another... Yeah, 0.27. Yeah, exactly. On that one. Yeah. And what, I think one later in the game, I'm guessing from a set piece from Joe Roden. Again, another 0.21. And then George's one was also a big chance at 0.36. So there's a number of, of half and big chances created. So it's a very pleasing performance. And I think we did do very well in this game to create. And especially from our counter-pressing, that did help us to generate chances. But it wasn't just our only tool of making them. Our first goal came from concerted pressure. We, we had had possession of the ball for a good amount of time before the first goal, which showed that we are, are able to create from both pressing and from in possession, which is always pleasing. So we're not a team who is a one-trick pony, and if we can't create through counter-pressing, we can, can create via concerted possession. So, yeah, it's good to see. But Cardiff's lack of quality definitely did play a part in this because they were quite bad in comparison to how good we were so it did help, help us out a, a wee bit yeah dan anything to add on our creativity within this game yeah i'm gonna sort of step on the toes of some of the other stuff we're talking about later but i just thought having a player like bamford who looks to go in behind and, and stretch the push the back line backwards and and having furpo and dan james effectively offering a lot of whip so just the the spacing horizontally and vertically was way better so you stretch the pitch wide and you you give you push the centre box back, you're gonna have give some of and Rutter and players like that a lot of space to operate and that that's only a good thing. So yeah, we just we just like around Christmas, you know, the Preston and West Brom game we talked about that, didn't we, Martin, how we weren't happy how the players were kinda of clumping round the ball and a bit like a Jesse Marsh game. I think we had less yeah. of that here. I think it was like lots of nice width, lots of lots of depth. So it's just player profiles, but also discipline in the team as well, holding position and stretching the pitch way better. And you know, being and I guess being we we're quite direct at times, weren't we, in this game, which I think I like. I think mine, you 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 made that point in our group chat. Yes, you know, I did. Yeah, we, yeah, we mixed we we mixed it up well. So we you know we build up, build up, bring Cardiff on, and then hit them quick. Or, or you know, so just just a lot of variety and a lot of um, a lot of ways to move them around. So just our our general build up was really nice. I just thought we when we attacked, we moved them around really well, and and then when we got to the final third, we got there in space. Often it wasn't compact because of the way we moved it quicker, or or you know, or the way we stretched the pitch. So that was good. Yeah, I, I agree with the, especially the stretching the pitch part. I noticed Archie was quite often wider in this game and not yeah. not invert not inverting as much. He's sort of alternating between what he what he was doing, depending on um, where his teammates were, which is, which was good to see. And you saw Dan James, who was coming in fields a fair bit when Archie was g- g- going out. So both two are getting a quite a nice understanding going on that right flank, yeah. and it does help that we've got two flanks that we can effectively make chances from and there was a little tape which i put on twitter earlier from, from archie with dan james where he a nice play from archie and a <coughs> little, little chips ball into the box which i felt dan james did a reasonable amount with a lot of people were saying that it was another typical dan james crap moment but i i thought he did as best he could there to be honest uh, yeah, he, it's fine. yeah yeah he he tried to get it over, over the it, ball is that the one putting, where he hit the crossbar yeah exactly yeah yeah, apparently that was a 0.18 chance, which I thought was quite high for sort of a bouncing ball on the run in that sort of scenario. But... Towards the edge of the penalty box on the right hand side, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I thought Dan James did okay. His run was great, and Archie picked him out lovely, and Dan James made something of it. I mean, that was pretty. That was good football. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He tried to yeah, get yeah. it o- over the goalkeeper to either score or to get Bamford onto it. And yeah. it, yeah. it nearly did one of those two things. It could have gone, gone either way if it, if it had dropped a little bit sooner. It could have gone in or Bamford put tips in. So yeah, I, I was happy with that. Yeah, so, I think yeah. think on on that chance, just talking about like obviously Dan, you just said he made Dan James made a really good run for that chance. Um, I remember earlier on in the season we were kind of talking about 
uh, lack of cohesion and it seemed to be that players weren't committing to movements. Um, so, you know, you'd see Dan James kind of go to go one way and then be like, oh, well, they're not actually going to play that pass and then the pass would get played and he kind of just stood somewhere in no man's land and the ball's gone totally opposite direction. I feel like uh, what Dan James has done is really kind of like started to commit to those movements beyond the defenders and that's really helped us on, on that right-hand side uh, over the past three games, which, you know, we've, we've won 3-0 if we include the Peterborough game. Um, so, again, impressive display for us. But admittedly, poor opponents. Is there anything we can take from this? Do we think? I'm just. I just think we can take. Hopefully, we can take lessons in approach rather than. I mean, we shouldn't get too carried away because because Cardiff were like dog dirt, weren't they? They were like like Wayne Rooney, Birmingham levels of bad. Um, I genuinely think Peterborough were better the week before. Um, so Peterborough gave us more difficulty. You know, the week before, I get, admittedly on their pitch on a boggy, you know, a boggy pitch, but still. So no, but I think it's it's, it's just the kind of the approach to the game. The you know, getting it forward quickly, playing direct when we need to, playing it short when we don't need to, you know, when we don't want to play it long and having that kind of nice spacing, playing the ball in behind. It's, it's just that kind of, I, I guess the approach, it's, the question is, can we, can we, can we apply that same approach to better teams that will get in our faces and will press us better than them and will defend better, uh, and will stop us from playing forward quickly, um, so well. But yeah, I think that's, that's kind of the blueprint, but it's like, can we, can we apply it to better teams is the question. Yeah. Martin, anything to add? Yeah, I'd agree with what Dan said. Um, Cardiff were, were bad. I've um, said that a few times now, and um, I don't think there will be any Cardiff fans listening, but if there are, sorry. Um, yeah, the, it just, they weren't able to do what Errol Bullock wanted them to do, I think, and just weren't able to play out. And we did make their life difficult, of course, because uh, we were on on farm both in possession and out of possession. Yeah. So it's always going to be difficult when a team plays um, with the players we've got as well as we did. So... I think we can still take some, something from this. Not as much if it, as if it was against, say, West Brom, we'd had this performance, who are a really hard to break down team. Um, but we have had games against opponents where we maybe thought that we should have done better and we didn't. So in, in that sense, maybe you can take something from it because we complained that oh, we, we should be beating these teams like ones who we've drawn to or lost to earlier in the season. And in this game, if we would have drawn or lost to this one, we think, well, we should be beating these. The crap. So... I think we can take a little bit from it, and it's hopefully something to say that we can do this to these sort of teams who don't have the same quality we do. On the right day, we can do it. So I think we can take a little bit from it, for maybe not get too carried away. Am I am I remembering correctly? Were these quite good first game of the season? Were they like half decent and probably you know some value for the point? I can't remember really. I just seem to remember thinking. Well, they they did obviously go two 0 up, hmm. but um, it was a makeshift. Starting lineup from us again. Obviously, first game of the season, we hadn't really made any yeah. any signings. Well, Nonto was up front, no, wasn't he? I think Sinister actually started though as well. To yeah, be yeah. Fair, so. yeah. Um, but talking of forwards, and Somerville missed uh, a penalty in this game, as mentioned in the summary, and we've missed quite a few recently. And Dan, lots of numbers you got uh, for us here. <laughs> yeah, well, on our conversion rate. Well, someone grumbled. I'm sure we've got a really bad conversion rate over the last few years. What's going on? And I was like, it does seem that way. Is it true? Do we have a bad conversion rate? And I'm afraid the answer is yes. So I just, <laughs> um, I went just to have a look at the numbers over the last five years. I've actually got five and a half years, so five full seasons plus so far this season. So from Bielsa's first season, we've we've been awarded 28 penalties. That's in competitive games, League and Cup, and scored 20. So a 71% conversion rate. Which, you know, is a bit below what you'd expect. You expect 79%, I think, is the conversion rate. Yeah, if 77, you go by 77, 79, yeah. Yeah. So this season so far, we've had actually, we've actually won five penalties, which is as many as we've won. I tell a lie. In the 1920 season, we got six penalties in that whole season. So we've actually won five penalties this, this season. So you know, we just have a half a season. So I wonder if that's something to look at. Are we good at winning pens this I year? Think I don't know. That's something anyway. to do with possibly Somerville and Rutter. Yeah, perhaps. Dribbly boys. Yeah, so we've had five and we've um, scored three, so 60% conversion rate. So Pascal, Strike and Joel Perot have taken one each and put them away. Uh, Somerville's had two and put one away and missed one, and Pat's taken one and missed one. If we go back last season, we scored two out of five, which is appalling 40% conversion rate. Uh, Click put his away, Rodrigo put one out of his two away, and Pat took two and missed them both. Um, so <laughs> there's a pattern building here, isn't there? The season before that, um, our second season in the Premier League, um, the, the year we just survived at Brentford, we got five penalties that season and we scored all five, 100%. Um, which is surprising. Rafinha took four, put them all away, and Rodrigo took one, put his away. The season before that. that still here. 
Yeah, yeah. The season before that, our first season in the Premier League, we got four penalties and one put, put all four away. And that included Pat and Click with two each. So Pat, um, something, something went wrong about three seasons ago with Pat. Um, our promotion season, we got six and put four away. So 66%. Um, Click and Pat put two away each and miss one each and then in Bielsa's first season we only won three penalties that season um, put two of them away so yes yeah, so it's a bit up and down so we've got 200% seasons and then some really really bad seasons I, I, I think the lesson is um, sign players like Rafinha and let them take penalties <laughs> I think but yeah it's true everybody uh, leads, yeah, leads maybe, are bad leads are, are bad pass misses last three then according yeah. to those stats yeah. yeah yeah so yeah so when he signed for us he, he had a 100% record in his first season he had a uh, a 66% in his second season, then 100% in his third season. So, you know, if you average it up, he's probably all right. But then it's just gone down, gone off a cliff, hasn't it, since he started getting injuries. Probably lost his confidence. Who knows? What, what percentage did you say it was for us the few seasons? Overall, for the for the five and a half seasons that I've counted, yeah. 71%. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've just done a very quick calculation on um, the current season and championship. And it's standing around 76%, 76.3% is what the current conversion rate is. So we're not drastically lower than what the at least the championship yeah. is and if you consider that we're in championship we're really a lower at low end premier league with the squad that we've got probably around about there so we are lo- lower than the average but i wouldn't say massively but yeah we're, we're, we're definitely we're a, a few thinking seasons we're at 60 percent this season and 71 percent over the five and a half that i counted so yeah mm. i mean it's, it's such a it's hard thing to draw lessons from isn't it really just other than find someone that's good at pens and, you know, and hope on the pitch a lot. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess the case is is kind of like um, the volume of where those misses have come. They've obviously come, as you mentioned, we had like two full one hundred percent seasons. We had one where we missed for three years, and then like it's dropped. That basically we've regressed, and we've regressed sharp, mm. and that's yeah. probably where. And as you mentioned, we've got five so far, and the most we've had over the past five years is six in a whole season. So yeah. that's highly concentrated to half a season as well. Um, so I guess that's kind of like where that interpretation can come from regarding as being poor at penalties at the moment and stuff. Just good on the eye test this season. I've seen, uh, like Pascal took his pen, didn't he, a few weeks back and took it really well. I'd like be more than happy yeah. for it to see him take another one. That was great pen, I thought. Um, and Perot took his and again took it very well. So you just give, give it to those two. You know, you're less... Like, if they're on the pitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean... Pascal took the very much the centre half approach, didn't he? And just like hit it, hit it firm to the side of the keeper, and you yeah. know, and hope you've got enough on it. Yeah, we know you're injured, Pask, but get on the pitch and take yeah. the penalty. Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, there we are. That's it. Yeah, thanks for that, Dan. No, it was a nice, nice chat about penalties. Um, but before we continue with the interrogation, it's time for an ad break. And before that, I have to plug the Patreon. Um, because Tom Alderson would be very annoyed, but I really don't care because uh, he doesn't. He puts mushrooms, sorry, in his spag ball, so he deserves nothing in his life. But don't worry, patrons, you don't have to listen to this next part. Our patrons get access for as little as one ninety nine per month, which gives you ad free podcasts. And if you want to pay a little bit more, you get other benefits included with early access to our preview pods, analysis articles, videos, and bonus podcasts. And if you want to find out more about our patron, please visit patreon.com forward slash ASAW patreon Dan you've kind of touched on him bringing something different um, we saw Patrick Bamford leading the line for us again in this game what differences do you really think he makes uh, with the way we attack and in particular and how we look to create chances well, it's, it's, it's space and variety isn't it so what he offers is he offers the ball over the top he offers he holds the ball up in ways that that we haven't seen from Perot or, or Rutter yet. Although Rutter was getting better at that. Um, and Rutter does occasionally run in behind, but I think Patrick Bamford's natural instinct is to engage centre-backs and drag them away. So just all the time, he's, 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 he's taking the defence away from our creative players who like to operate between the lines. Now, if the game is condensed because everybody's running towards the ball in the Leeds team, it's harder for the likes of Rutter and Somerville who like to operate between the lines to find space, but if Bamford's dragging them that way and, and Dan James is dragging them that way also and, and there's an outlet ball with Thurpo on the far side, it means that the opposition have got a space out. So it's not just de- it's not just width, it's depth as well which Bamford gives. Um so yeah, I just think it, it just makes space largely for the for our, our, our better creative players. Um and like I say, hold up play is really good. His link up play is solidly really good. It's always been good, hasn't it? And you know so that's that's kind of what he's offering. Um 
it's, it'd be interesting. I mean, he looks he looks fit at the moment, so it'd be interesting to see how he goes against really good centre backs. You know, when we play a strong team, but but so far so good. He's looking he's looking like he's looking stronger. He's looking quick. He's moving pretty well. I think he doesn't look like early in the season. He looked like he wasn't moving particularly well, and now he is. So yeah, let's hope it continues. And Martin, apart from obviously himself for being able to play and score three and three, uh, who do you feel in the squad benefits most from Patrick Bamford being in the squad? So it's a hard one. There's a couple of players who I think will benefit from him the most. I'd say it's between Somerville and Routier, basically the ones who are doing most of our dribbling. Because if you've got someone who is occupying centre-backs, it's going to make things easier for them when they're trying to move into the box. Because they're moving forward with the box, they're bringing one of the midfielders with them. Then you've got the centre-backs who are thinking, do I, do I step out to slip this guy? Or... Do I do I continue dealing with Bamford, who's who's just at the side of me? So it, it poses problems for single backs and other players in the pitch when you've got a striker who can always make good movement around centre backs because it just creates so much space for for them to move into that. And also for other players who are making underlapping or overlapping runs, it just helps helps so much with the way we look to create chances. And I think it's probably between our two dribblers who will benefit the most from it. And probably the, the two who are creating the most chances for us as well. And they'll be hoping that they can get a lot more assists via Bamford, <laughs> I'm sure. Because uh, Bamford also helps bring others into the game to score as well. So it's not just him scoring the goals, it's him creating space so others can penetrate that space. So yeah, how I, I, I'm not sure if Dan has anything different to add on that. Okay, the, the other thing is, he's just an outball, isn't he? So if we're, if we're under pressure, we've got... a. a you know, a better quality out ball there as well. So it's just, again, it's, it's variety, isn't it? You know, the ability to hit it long, which we didn't necessarily always have with, with Rutter and Pereira, who naturally wanted to come towards the ball as a, as a rule. So Bamford will have to move away from the ball, won't he, to receive it on the run. Just, so it's just, it's just variety, isn't it? And, and an out ball and just, just different angles. So, yeah. Yeah, I think potentially it's going to also help players like Dan James. So we already saw in the Birmingham game that, you know, he, he put one of those kind of half hopeful, half good balls that he puts in and Bamford was able to head that in. And I think that that's not something we've seen from Rotero or Peru uh, when they've been playing in those roles. So it's it gives us that different, like you said, that difference with crossing and an actual player who can meet those crosses, I guess. Um, I'd, li- I'd like to see Bamford and, and Perot have a bit of a run. I mean, they did against per- uh, Peterborough. I can see it kind of working like an old-fashioned strike partnership, you know, they're kind of 9 and 10 together. Um, Bamford stretching and Perot arriving late. If we if we played that kind of system where you know like we're creating lots of cutbacks, it might work having those two arriving at different points. But you know, no, no one's dropping Rutter at the moment. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. I guess maybe maybe you'd move Rutter somewhere else. Yeah, um, true. Which we we have discussed previously. Yeah, on this podcast of where you could do that. And um, Martin, I know that you're a big fan of this next player that we're going to discuss, and we've seen a bit more of him over the past uh, couple of games in Ilya Groove. Uh, so how how do you think he's done? Talk to us about what you've liked about him. There's a lot of things I've liked about the way he interprets the uh, midfield role. He plays it a little bit differently to the way that Ampadu does, I felt. Uh, not massive differences, but it's just little things like he, he's more prone to dropping in between these as the centre-backs, I've noticed. That's something which Ampadu does, but I think quite often you quite often see Ampadu just sort of waving his hand from side to side saying, like, no, don't, don't play to me at the moment. And so, but he's more likely to drop deeper. And then when he does that, our centre-backs have been marauding forward with the ball, I've noticed. Especially in this, I noticed a few times, um, either Amdu or Roden were both getting forward when he was dropping deeper. I think it's these little, little rotations which help and the composition guessing and really helps us to get, to play our way out of pressure when teams are pressing. And so obviously, Cardiff didn't really do a whole lot of it, but one thing they were doing was blocking passing lanes and doing those those sort of movements helps with that. So that's one thing that I like like from him. And I would probably say he's probably our best long range passer in in the of the of the main first team options that we've got in midfield of um camera of Andrew and Groove. I think he's probably the the one with a better range. And they're able to make, especially the central passes that he'd been making. But also, he did a really lovely crossfield ball to, uh, towards the start of the second half. I'm not sure if you both saw that one. Is that the one for Furpo, who headed it down and Bamford then put wide, but he was offside? No, it I mean, was, one, was also a lovely it, ball. But... It, went through to that, it went through to through to Dan James. It was about maybe five, ten minutes into the second half. So it was just sort of, sort of from the left over to the right, and it was just real, really lovely ball. So yeah, I, I like a lot of what, what, what he does. And it's good to see that we've seen more of him now, so we know. 
if Ampadu ever was to get injured, that we have a capable player there who can do the things that he does. And it's not just his in-possession game, which is good. Out of possession as well, he's very good, especially in the, in the counter-press. He's very quick to snap into that. As soon as we lose the ball, he's, he's there to get an inception. He had four inceptions in, in this game against Cardiff, which is really good. And it helps us to keep the pressure on and so to not give up any traditional attacks. That's a big thing, which I think they um, worked on in the past few months, is giving up traditional attacks. Earlier in the season, we figured that it could have been a bit of a problem for us. Uh, the defense wasn't great. But I think it's improved a lot, and Groove, since even though he's not played that many games, he's clearly got a very good understanding of what Farker wants him to do in those counter-pressing moments, and how quickly he snaps into it is really promising. So, yeah, I'm more than happy for Groove to play when Ampadu isn't there, or when Cameron isn't there. All three of them are equally good, in my opinion. Yeah, Dan, anything to add on Groove's uh, performances? No, just, I mean, echo everything Martin said, yeah, just just he probably does have the best passing range of. To be fair to um, Ampadu, he's putting some nice long balls recently. The Borough game for that super goal Georgie scored, that was a good Ampadu long ball. But yeah, you're right. I think I think uh, Grev. Is it Grev or Grev? Do we agree Groif. on Groif? Groif. Gro- yeah. Is it Groif I think we're going with? Yeah, I think he's... Yeah, he naturally has that kind of... That different passing range and he naturally looks to play it long and more incisive, I think, than Ampadu. Ampadu's probably naturally more of a ball recycler, isn't he, than Grove, who's probably more incisive, I would say. Uh, one thing I noticed about it, um, I thought Groif and uh, Kamara combined nicely at the weekend as well. So when we're building up, like one of them would kind of draw the, the pressing players away and the other one would rotate into the space and, and vice versa. I just, just, I just seem to be a lot of kind of nicely, nicely rehearsed kind of rotations from the pair of them and it seemed to just work quite smoothly and got us out of um, deeper areas and into the midfield quite easily. So yeah, just a really good all-round performance and... One thing I worried about him when I first saw him was like the physicality of the English game, you know, because he's not a big guy, he's a slight guy and he's he's got kind of like a little tippy-tappy kind of running style. He doesn't look like a power athlete, does he? But And it's taken him a while to kind of, I guess, adapt to English, the pace of English football, maybe that's been a factor in his... Yeah, I think less... that's been one of the key yeah. factors, personally. Yeah, um, yeah, he's yeah. looked less than convincing early on and he's just looked a little bit more comfortable each time he's come on, hasn't he? A little bit better, a little bit better and then... You know, at Peterborough's second half in particular in this game, you really like, oh yeah, we've got a player here. That's good. Yeah, I just want to say that I can't believe that when you're talking about Ampadu's long passes assisting, you picked out the Rutea one as good as that was, but you didn't pick out Bamford's versus Peterborough. Um, you know, and you were there. Like, you saw that live. I saw it live, yeah. yeah. So, that's about Bamford, isn't it? Like, the the Rutea one was a good ball and a good takedown of Rutea, wasn't yeah. it? Whereas the Bamford yeah. one was, it was a more of a, I won't say hopeful, but it was a kind of a, a bit of a ping, wasn't it? You know, it wasn't a. Yeah. So I mean, there's a reason that Bamford had to jump a foot in the air to control yeah. it on his chest. Yeah. Whereas the the ball for Rutter against Borough at Middlesbrough was was like tip top, wasn't it? I mean, it, Rutter had to make it, you know, had to take it down, but it was a lovely ball, weighted ball as well. Yeah, and so as we just mentioned, we've been talking about really happy with all the central midfielders, but um, Will Clay has spoken about him already today, so he he had a question on Griff's in inclusion. So to sum it up, he said, "When a CB is when a centre back is injured, do you think that Farker is now likely to continue to bring Cooper in and keep Ampadu at central midfield, or do you think he's more likely to shift Ampadu to centre back like we've just seen, and then play Croyf uh, in the in the central mid midfield in there?" Uh, Martin, what what what's your thoughts on that? I'm not one hundred percent certain on this one because I know Farker does respect the senior players in the squad quite a lot. And he has been fine with using Cooper uh, every opportunity to bring him in. And he hasn't had a problem with it. And Cooper has largely looked good playing at centre-back. However, the combination of Cruz and Kamara and with him behind, with um, Ampadu behind, has been really good. And it's worked very well. So I would probably lean more towards him doing this and having Groove in midfield and putting Ampadu back into defence. Just because it does keep um, all our more... Most senior, I think you have to say, obviously Cooper hasn't got long his contract left, so he's probably not going to play in too many more games, and he probably accepts that too. He's his front position in the squad. But who knows? Uh, it, it could be a horses uh, for courses approach, and you'll see one game where some, uh, Cooper does come in, and then the next game it'll be different, and Ampadu will drop back to sent back to have, as Fag puts it, a bit of a break from doing as much running. So, yeah, it, it could be a mixture of both. I'm not sure if Dan thinks I'm different. Yeah, I mean, I don't expect him to change it. The only thing I can think is if we're playing a team that are really dangerous from set pieces or I've got like a big centre forward that maybe he'll bring Cooper in. Um, 
I mean, Ampadu's no slouch in the air, but I think Cooper's probably a stronger player in the air, isn't he? So that's the only... But, you know, on current form, I wouldn't change it. But do you think what are Preston like? I mean, this is this is preview, so... what? Their, who's their centre-forward? It was a... I think it was quite a big, was, big guy, wasn't he? So maybe it is a game for Cooper, I don't know. But let's see. I think my approach would be, again, opposition depending. If, if we think that we can stretch and move their front line around to create kind of what we did against... Um, against Cardiff this weekend where we had Rodon carry, we had Ampadu carry uh, into that space that we created whereas I think if we have Cooper he's probably not going to want to carry as much and he'll look for a pass through that space um, but I think the carries were what kind of really helped us in, in this game with that deep build up um, and I think that's kind of what you were saying regarding the difference of uh, Groif's, uh, we, we've said his name so many different ways in this podcast It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like Johan Cruyff but Groif, isn't it? Yeah, but with a G, I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, with, with him dropping a bit further back in the build-up, in between the centre-backs, that creates that space, obviously, for Ampadu to run into. Whereas, I think the reason why Ampadu maybe doesn't do it is because if he gets the ball, he's happy to turn and carry from the middle as as the midfielder, which is not what Groif, Groif seems to want want to do, maybe. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's going to be one of those horses for courses, depending on how we think we can pull a a front team apart. Like if they're pressing, if, if they're a really pressy team, so like maybe Norwich because they're quite intense, you'd maybe go Cooper. Um, whereas someone else, Preston, maybe because they're a bit more of a mid block, will maybe try pull them out and then you know carry with Rodon and, and Ampadu. Um, is there anyone else in this game, Dan, that you felt did well that we've not discussed yet? Yeah, it's it, well, both fullbacks. Archie Gray had a great game, um, combining lovely with Dan James. Coming infield, going outfield, that, that combination seems to, to, to be developing really well. But it was dead secure. I thought he, he handled his opposite number like with ease. I mean, what opposite number? Who was it? I can't remember. You know, give Archie Gray credit for that. <laughs> Josh Bowler played on the right, which we didn't expect. I yeah. remember that. So he was Furpo's man. Um, yeah. And as you said, Furpo. It was Grant. It was Grant who we weren't yeah. expecting Cal- to play. Cal- yeah. Cal- yeah. Grant. Yeah, Cal- Cal- Grant. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Quiet. So just, just a really good game. But I think more importantly, like the combination with. Some, some of, you know, that, that kind of, se- that kind of sequence we discussed earlier where Dan James lobbed the, lobbed, tried to lob the keeper. That was a really, really clever play from Archie. The way he, he kind of ran up the field, turned back, built again, and then lobbed a, a lovely little chip over for Dan James. Um, so I just thought he had a real good game and off, off of Thurpo, um, in an attacking sense, less in a defensive sense, but it didn't really matter. But in an attacking sense, Thurpo was in, was involved in a couple of the goals, wasn't he? And just generally, like an absolute nuisance down the left hand side, really nice outlet, some good quality moments. Um so yeah, those two absolutely worth worth a shout. Yeah, Martin, anyone else? I probably couldn't say anything bad about anyone on the pitch, to be honest. I can and I could probably say something good about every every player. I think everyone had their moments where they did something where I thought, Oh, that's there's little things here and there. Uh, there's a lot who were saying that Somerville had a, a bad game. And that his touches were off. But when I was watching back, I noticed the touches that people were talking about were overhit passes. <laughs> and there was especially one from what someone who doesn't normally overhit passes, one from Georgie. Um it was in, in, in the first half. I think it was not long before the second goal, um it, where he did that lovely ma- mazy run and then passed it to Somerville who was inside the box. About he overhit it a little bit, he put a little bit too much power on it, so it was hard to control. That's why that was bad. And also another one, for, I think, Furpo was another one where he miscontrolled it in the middle of the half. But the, his play for the opening goal was fantastic. That, that carry into the box was great. <laughs> There's not many players in the championship who can make those sort of carries. Um, you've got probably Ruter, Somerville. You've got Jack Clark. I can't not mention Jack Clark for when, when it comes to ball carrying. <laughs> Otherwise, Adam would probably be lurking in bushes and and with me um, but yeah there's, so there's not many players who would be able to make that dribble and he did a few of those things like that and people are judging it a lot on the fact that he missed the penalty I feel, I feel. which yeah he missed a penalty it happens and that's it yeah so I'm glad you raised it I was going to make pretty much the same point that like yeah Somerville miscontrol some passes perhaps whether they were his fault or not obviously you, you think not that's fine but he was involved in two of our goals he was a key part in two of our goals so like yeah. Okay, perhaps perhaps it was an eight, you know perhaps it was a seven out of ten rather than his usual eight or nine out of ten, but still like I think I think that's what it is. <laughs> still, like, key. he's been a master of his own downfall in that sense. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In a way. Even though he wanted a downfall, he's just set his bar so high this season that because everything didn't come off like it seems to have come off for him mm. in this game, it just appeared that he had a poor game. 
Um, but yeah, I think just one thing regarding it's it's a nothing, but Cardiff probably thought they could put crosses in from the right and using Carlin Grant, who's a much more physical player against someone like Archie Gray as well at the back post, probably was part of their game plan. Harking back to that now that you've reminded me that it was Carlin Grant who played on the left, but he did nothing. So, um, but yeah, one one final question uh, from Joe on Twitter. They're asking, if we could sign one player this January, what position would it be in? Now, we've obviously done a podcast where we talk about those possible players and the possible profile, but if we're just going position, we'll just do quick fire. Dan, what position would you sign? Left back. Left back for Dan. Martin? Left back. And for me, it would be a left back. Yeah, we're all in agreement. Um, So yeah, if you want to listen to me and Martin discuss that transfer window and where we think we could improve and what sort of profile we'd look for at left back um martin where, where can they go find that they can find that at patreon.com forward slash asaw patreon and just to mention uh, that pod is part of the upload tier which is the tier that everyone should be on really because you get the most out of it <laughs> you get everything that we do on that and it's not really that much more than middle tier really it's got about two people who are on the click tier and it's like a pound less bye <laughs> but yeah uh, the, I, I digress. It's it's a really good pod that, that me and Tom did, and I was just, we were just both really happy with it afterwards. We just both said straight away that was really good. I can echo that. I, I wasn't involved. I just listened to that one. It was a good pod. Well done, fellas. Ah, thank you. Um, and coming up, I believe that you two have a under twenty ones podcast coming up soon. We've we've not organised it yet, but yeah, I think we're overdue one. But they've had a few cancellations, haven't they? So we're probably gonna have to wait till they have some games. So we've got something to talk about because the the game tonight was cancelled, wasn't it? And the last game was cancelled. It was up at Newcastle. Was it wind? I forget now. Um, so yeah, once I've had a couple of games, we'll get together and chat twenty ones. I think we'd like to have a look at Montero. Is it Montero? Yeah, I think that's what we said. Yeah, yeah. Montero. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Yep. Um. So that's to come forward, and so you've they've clear they're not going to record that for a few weeks. So you've got time to sign up, um, and then you know you can get your January pay in and then sign up and listen to it all because we know that it's a long six weeks over the next uh, from from Christmas and New Year. But that's everything for this review. Uh, we'll be back with a Preston preview some point later on this week. Uh, that game is on Sunday, I believe. Uh, and uh, yeah, so all that's left for me to say is uh, thank you, Dan. It's been a while since we've had a pod together. It is. So it's been good to chat and catch up. So yeah, yeah. it has. I've enjoyed it. Cheers, mate. And uh, thank you, Martin. Uh, you're on every week, so like you know, it's it's just a norm. But thank you again for giving you time. Thank you as well for doing a lovely job at hosting as always. Oh, thank you very much, and thank you, listeners, for listening. And we hope you have a good week. Uh, yeah, ciao.